Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, and we're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We're on the frequencies 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa and on 15255 kHz on the 90-meter band to Far West Africa, as well as DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802. I'm Nilu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa, Tabiso Luhoko and Figile Lingwati. In our top stories, in Africa rise and shine at the Sawa, more than one million people flee South Sudan. Calm slowly returning to the DRC's capital. In economics, South Africa's inflation rate falls below target band. And in sports news, South African all-rounder Dwayne Pretorius eager to make Protea debut. But first up, the news with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussa. The government of Burundi has been implicated in a number of human rights abuses across the country, including execution and torture. This is in a new report released by the United Nations. Investigators tasked by the UN Human Rights Council probed Burundi since it's descended into violence in April last year due to President Pierre Nkurunziza's decision to run for a third term in office. The UN has called for the immediate setting up of an international commission of inquiry into the matter with Nkuruziza's membership to the Human Rights Council also being under threat. At least 42 people have drowned and another 150 rescued after a boat carrying migrants capsized in the Mediterranean off Egypt's north coast. The accident came a day after the military said it stopped a boat carrying 68 migrants before it set off from Egypt's northwestern coast. The EU's border agency Frontex has warned growing numbers of migrants bound for Europe were turning to Egypt as a departure point for the sea journey. 
Ongoing Sang Mugabe has told the UN General Assembly world leaders are reviewing progress on the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development as part of this year's general debate. It seeks to transform the world by eliminating extreme poverty, promoting greater equality and tackling the challenges posed by climate change. President Mugabe says the biggest impediment to achieving its objectives is 16 years of sanctions. A hall for the Department of Arts at the University of Zululand on the KwaZulu-Natal province's north coast in South Africa has been destroyed by fire. It's not clear what caused the fire that destroyed the building. On Tuesday, the Student Representative Council's president at the university said they would be joining the nationwide strike, calling for the shutdown of universities in protests against the hiking of fees at the institutions of higher learning. The university is not available for comment. Meanwhile, Chairperson of the Fees Commission in South Africa, Jonathan Hare, says the commission remains open to listening to presentations by student formations. This is despite the disruptions caused to many of the commission's hearings by students protesting over the fee issue. The Fees Commission is probing the feasibility of free education at higher learning institutions in South Africa. It will release its preliminary findings in November. He says despite the disruptions, they want to hear from the students. I can only see advantage from having the students' participation. If they have anything good to offer, and I'm sure they have, then let us hear it. Otherwise, we will bring in a report which says that we have been shortchanged by people who have the greatest interest in what we're deciding. That's the news headlines at 8.30 Central African time. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Thank you, Anne. More than a million citizens of South Sudan have fled their troubled country over the past two months following fighting between two rival military forces supporting President Salva Kiir and his rival Riek Machar. James Mangula has more. The latest prominent South Sudanese politician to flee the country is Abraham Wani, former governor in Ye River State, located southwest of the capital Yubab. Already more than one million South Sudanese have fled the country over the past two months. Abraham Wani explains why he fled the country and is now in the neighboring nation of Sudan. As I'm talking now, the power of the security is the only power that is being used for arresting the people, killing the people, and no security officer can be asked whatever he does. Now, many under arrest. Others are either slaughtered like goats. Two weeks ago in my own village, over 11 people were slaughtered, including children. You will go to war, people are getting killed innocently for no reason. The security people are empowered and they have the law in their hand. They can arrest anybody, they can kill anybody, they can abuse anybody, and nobody can question them. Hundreds of thousands of people are leaving South Sudan and they are going to Uganda. The country is coming completely without people. Even if, and we are going to fight and change that regime, the dictatorial regime, and bring a good government that would respect the people. People are not even feeding. They are going hungry. They are not producing anything because there is fighting everywhere. People are not producing food. 
former governor of South Sudan's Yei River State, Abraham Wani, confirms that Sudanese are leaving the country in droves to seek refuge in neighboring countries. In order to get official reaction from the Juba government regarding the defection of Governor Abraham Wani to Riek Machar's group, I reached the country's information minister, Michael McQuay. First, I wanted to know if people are being killed in large numbers, as alleged by Governor Abraham Wani. That is not correct. It is just a justification. It is a reason to justify his defection to the other rebels. Is somebody whom I believe is thinking of establishing his own movement. And he says people are fleeing the country in large numbers to Uganda. That is not correct. There is nobody running away except himself who has decided to rebel. That was South Sudan Information Minister Michael McQuay. Meanwhile, the number of South Sudanese seeking refuge in neighboring nations has hit the one million markers. United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees spokesman Roko Nuri explains. Mostly are women and children. New arrivals are telling our colleagues in neighboring country that they fled, you know, violence. They have fled uh, sexual assault and um, broad, you know, array of uh, of crime and human rights violation. This means that. Those 10,000 refugees from the Democratic Republic of Congo, Sudan and Central African Republic have not received their monthly food ration since late June. The situation is very dire. We are in touch with them over the phone. We keep meeting their uh, refugee leaders in INEA and they are uh, telling our staff on the ground that there is lack of food, there is lack of uh, medicine. At the moment, our... uh, Budget is funded only 20%, meaning that we need so much funds to respond to the need of refugees in the neighboring country. That was United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees spokesman Rokonuri shedding light on one million South Sudanese who have crossed into neighboring countries to escape anarchy in their country. Reporting for Channel Africa. This is James Shimanyula. The situation in the DRC's capital, Kinshasa, is becoming calm after police clash with protesters earlier this week, living, leaving at least 75 people dead. As Jean-Noël Bamweza reports from Kinshasa, some shops opened yesterday. This country's capital city is still under a bit of dark after the two-day clash between the Congolese National Police and the opposition supporters demanding elections to be held on time for President Joseph Kabila to step down according to the Constitution. Both Monday and Tuesday were two uncertain days for inhabitants of here in Kinshasa since police continued to shoot real bullets and tear gas to disperse protesters and other people who were trying to loot shops, especially business belonging to Chinese and Indians. There is a certain calm observed this Wednesday here, although the situation remains a bit quiet and only few people are seen on the streets looking for public transport, but really, taxis are very scarce and some of the people, like me, do not have any other choice but to use motorbikes. Most of the public services have opened their offices, but with very few staff, schools 
schools are not yet opened since no parent is ready to let his children on the streets while nobody knows what might follow and only very few shops are open up to now. The presence of police is still seen in different areas and soldiers have been posted in strategic areas such as Rome Point Victoire where we find so many youth ready to protest against any situation and Pomatete that is few minutes from the home of veteran opposition leader Etienne Tisekedi in Limete. Both Monday and Tuesday's death toll is still not well known since the government hasn't yet updated it, but the opposition has said more than 75 people have been killed in offices of around six political parties from both the ruling majority and the opposition have been looted before being burnt. Meanwhile, the political dialogue that was supposed to be concluded on Tuesday has been postponed for Friday in order to mourn the Congolese who have been killed during the two-day demonstrations. That's indeed what the African Union facilitator for the dialogue, Adam Kojo, said on Tuesday during a short plenary session. Participants will then come back on Friday and look for an agreement on the electoral calendar to be presented by the Independent National Electoral Commission. On the other side, the Catholic bishops have suspended their attendance due to the two-day situation and have planned a morning mass this week. Wednesday evening in order to pray for those who have died while protesting. The other component that has decided to suspend its attendance to the forum is the new civil society. The decision has come after the organization offices have been destroyed by the same events-related unknown people. Most of analysts are now looking at the situation as a very complicated one and believe the political dialogue resolutions might have no impact on this country's situation since it's not all the political actors who have been part of it. But really, those opposition political leaders who didn't attend the dialogue believe it doesn't mean nothing for them, and the only thing they are waiting for is the end of President Joseph Kabila's last term on December 19th to try and force the whole regime out. Jean-Noël Bamweze, Channel Africa, Kinshasa. Cameroon is organizing mass marriages in refugee camps to unite families that have escaped Boko Haram terrorism in Nigeria and crisis from neighboring Central African Republic. The Central African state says by so doing, they will increase family harmony and reduce insecurity. Moki Kinzaga reports from Yaoundé. Hundreds of the curious onlookers, friends and family members applaud and dance as each of the 60 couples sign their marriage certificates. Among the just-wedded refugees from the troubled Central African Republic is 26-year-old Lamina Junior. He says he fell in love with his wife, Catherine Langnia, two years ago when they escaped violence in their country and settled at the eastern Cameroonian town of Garouabulai. He says by getting married, he is publicly showing how much he loves his wife 
and how he intends to remain faithful. He says marriages should be official and publicly contracted as a sign of love and respect of God's command. 54-year-old lecturer at the University of Bangui, Maya Abba, is also getting married. He says he lost his wife three years ago while escaping from his country when rebels overthrew the government and efforts to unseat the rebels tipped CAR into sectarian conflict. He says his profession warrants him to respect laws and that is why he is getting married officially. I am a refugee here uh, in Manjo. In Central Africa, I am teaching uh, law and French. This is my wife, Aisha, Aisha Cho. He is my wife. 36-year-old Mustafa Saliu says he was planning to get married while in CAR but did not have a means to organize a wedding. He says, unlike in his country, CAR, Cameroon provides peace and security that has enabled him to start a business that could take care of his wife and himself, and so he decided to get married. The UNHCR and the government of Cameroon assist the couples by transporting them to areas where the collective marriages are organized and providing financial assistance to local civil status officials for their movement. Cameroon is home to 300,000 refugees from CAR, Cameroon, and the United Nations decided to organize mass marriages for the couples as a way of promoting family harmony. Rode Baba Konde, UNHCR official in Banjo, says by organizing the marriages, they intend to promote gender equity in terms of providing sustainable lifestyles for women especially. My message to all of this couple is to make sure that they preserve the peace, they listen to each other. Marriage means it's a partnership. It's, it not means that this is a more, has more value than this. No, it's all it's a partnership. They should present this partnership among themselves. Cameroon sees the mass wedding project as a solution to widespread promiscuity that leads to unwanted pregnancies in the refugee camps. It is also intended to make couples more responsible in taking care of their children. Cameroon's penal code criminalizes adultery and punishes parents who refuse to take care of their children. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzaka in Yawundi. Let's go back in time to today in 1927. Slavery is abolished in Sierra Leone in Africa. That was today in history in the year 1927. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Africa, rise and shine. I am Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia. This is Simon Muchemwa in Harare, Zimbabwe. Jean-Noël Bamwisi, Channel Africa, Kinshasa. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja. This is Moki Kinzaka. In Yawundi, informing the world about Africa. Ntakwanangatani in Mohalizuk, Lesotho. And I am Diana Wanyonyi for Channel Africa in Mombasa. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. 
Kenya journalists based in the coastal region have participated in a peaceful demonstration to push the government to investigate and give detailed reports on cases where journalists have died, were kidnapped or were threatened by unknown persons. A reporter, Diana Wanyonye, in Mombasa was present during the demonstration and felt the following story. Day-to-day activities came to a standstill along Moy Avenue in the central business district of Mombasa Island after journalists from different media houses in the coastal region converged at Uhuru Gardens ready for a one-kilometer walk to the office of the coast regional coordinator to give a petition of their grievances. They carried place cards with slogans like, Constitution is my press card, journalists' lives matters, no longer chained to silence, reporters deserve to return safely to their loved ones, help journalists speak out. These were some of the problems journalists feel they encounter, and it was easy for them to tell it through a display. They sang a national anthem and other songs in Swahili language with the main message that they will not be silenced by anyone and that their right of speech shall be respected. I have spoken to a few journalists about the demonstration. My name is Awini Miseda. I represent science reporters journalists. In many occasions, we as journalists, our rights have been infringed. We have been harassed, intimidated, and we work in an environment that is not so friendly. I'm also a victim. We have been under trails for several days. I had to move houses in two occasions because being trailed by known people. And when I came to realize it was about a story, a drug-related story that I was doing, and in a health piece. So at times, we live in fear. My name is uh, Gitonga from Nation Media. I'm participating in this demo because we've had cases of harassment, intimidation of journalists, and this is what we don't want. We want journalists to work in a free environment. We expect the authorities to protect journalists wherever they work. I'm Christine Panjala. I'm a correspondent with Bloomberg. Journalists should not be put at uh, risk because of their jobs. Because in the end, as much as everybody thinks, oh yes, attacking people, but in the end, it's our job. Speaking while presenting the petition on the increasing incidence of harassment, threats and assaults, Maureen Moody said the journalists in the coastal region have been unable to operate freely due to mysterious deaths and threats. We have demonstrated so as to speak up openly about against bad things that are happening to journalists, things which are against the Kenyan constitution. There has been a lot of harassment, intimidation, threatening of journalists that has barred them to work well in conducive ways. Freedom of the media. How safe are we? According to the petition, since 1998, six journalists have died under mysterious circumstances either after being run over by speeding vehicles or found dead in their houses in pool of blood. Investigations into the cause of their death has remained inconclusive. Coast Regional Coordinator Nelson Marwa assured journalists that they will look into the matter urgently, urging journalists to be reporting such matters to his office immediately so that prompt action can be taken. You raise it in good time, I will be able to articulate it on behalf of the government and address it in good time. I want to confirm to you that uh, as enshrined in the constitution, freedom of speech, the government respects that aspect and we do respect you too. He said media has a key role in informing the public on both good and wrongdoings. You have a right to constructively criticize. Even in my own office, if I'm not performing, you have that right to inform Kenyans that uh, Maro is sleeping on the job. I do not see 
any problem with that as long as you do it in a constructive manner. Kindly leave this with us. The government will interrogate those areas you have raised and the necessary action will be taken. That was Coast Regional Coordinator Nelson Marwa. This is the second journalist demonstration to occur in Kenya since the beginning of this year. Three weeks ago, journalists from Nairobi also staged peaceful demonstration on the same grounds, namely to point out that press freedom is being undermined and the harassment, intimidation and threats to journalists. Reporting for Channel Africa, I'm Diana Wanyonyi in Mombasa. In South Africa, two more students have been arrested and four injured during running battles between protesting students and police in the Johannesburg CBD yesterday. Clashes broke out after police attempted to force the students back into the Wurtz University Bramfontein campus. This after students attempted to march in the streets to mobilize other students from nearby colleges. Ditabadudit has more. Clashes once again broke out between police and protesting students. At this time, near Vez University's Bramfontein main campus in Johannesburg, police were forced to throw stun grenades in an attempt to force students to go back inside the campus. The students retaliated by throwing stones at the police. This student was among the students who refused to go back inside the campus. Two more students were arrested and others were injured. Uh, this student told the police she doesn't understand why she was being arrested. I would like to know. As, as the law has stated, you have to tell me why you are arresting me. Why are you arresting me? Because I did nothing. My hands were up. I surrendered. Why are you arresting me? Let go of my hands. Ulema Moe, also a Vezi University student, says that they will fight until the end. It really frustrates me because we are fighting for more than just fees must fall. We are fighting for no increasement and we are fighting for free education. And yet demands aren't being met. And I feel as if as students we are very undermined. The protesting students before clashing with the police were trying to get more support from students at Rosebank College and other nearby institutions. And this Rosebank College student says she supports the cause of the VETS students. Them raising the percentage. It's outrageous. It are, it's outrageous. We live in a country where fees with our parents, more especially within the black communities, our parents don't get enough money to pay for, for fees and other things. So they struggle by all means to do so. Um, yes, they are financial aid schemes, but then it, it's just not enough for, for, for a student to rely on that. The police voting says that those arrested will face charges of public violence. 
we call on members of the public, including the students, to march peacefully, protest peacefully, because our presence as the police, we are not there to, to get into any confrontation with them, but to also ensure their own safety as protesters. Yeah, they must just let us do our work, secure their parameter, they will march peacefully, nothing will happen. Vets University has released a statement condemning yesterday's violence. I'm Dittawasotis in Johannesburg. Chairperson of the Fees Commission in South Africa, Judge Jonathan Hare, says it's premature to announce its findings. The commission was established by the presidency to investigate the feasibility of free higher education in South Africa. On numerous occasions, the commission's hearings were disrupted by students who labelled it a waste of time. The commission was established following the violent student protests demanding free higher education in 2015. Fanuel Schumer has more. The Fees Commission has warned that the possibility of free education at higher learning institutions would come with dire consequences if it was not handled with CAM. Chairperson of the Commission, Judge Jonathan Heham, says there's a likelihood of growing numbers of students wanting to study at universities should the concept of free education succeed. He said this will call for upgrades to the available infrastructure to accommodate those numbers. Judge Heha says participants at the commission's hearings had different views on the feasibility of free education. He said many believe it is feasible. Judge Heha addressed members of the media in Pretoria. Part of the context is also a question of consequences because this question, like all, uh, is a matter of consequences, as I shall attempt to point out to you in a moment. Now, As I have said to you, there is a good deal of common ground between the Minister's statement and what we have heard from the witnesses in the Commission so far. And I think I should tell you that these are not findings that we are attempting to make, but just preliminary views concerning what we have heard. Heha says the Commission remains open to listening to presentations by student formations. This is after they disrupted most of the hearings the commission held in provinces like the Eastern Cape, Mpumalanga Gauteng and KwaZulu-Natal, saying it was waste of time. The judge says failure to listen to their views would compromise the commission's recommendations. I can only see advantage from having the students' participation. If they have anything good to offer, and I'm sure they have, then let us hear it. Otherwise, we will bring in a report which says that we have been shortchanged by people who have the greatest interest in what we're deciding. Judge Heha says among the inputs received so far, there have been concerns about where the money to finance free education at higher learning institutions would come from. He says the commission's task is to investigate if that is possible. So you will understand that in the end, the job of this commission is a balancing task. It's a matter of seeing where money is available, finding where money is available, and where it can best be sourced for the purpose of providing fee-free higher education uh, in one form or another. That would be, in the end, part of the recommendations. However, he said the recovery process of funds from those who have benefited needs to be restructured so that the same funds should be made available for the new deserving applicants. What everybody emphasizes is that the recovery process should be efficient and effective. 
which is certainly not the case on the evidence available to us uh, with the present NISFAS um, organization. The collection of fees of uh, loans which are repayable falls far short at the moment of what should be the case. According to the Commission, concerns have been raised about the low standard of education provided by TVET colleges compared to universities. The Commission will present its preliminary findings in November. The final recommendations will only be released in August next year. Fanuel Schumer, SABC News in Pretoria. Our headlines up next with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you. In the headlines, a new United Nations report implicates Burundi's government in a number of human rights abuses across the country, including execution and torture. At least 42 people have drowned and 150 have been rescued after a boat carrying migrants capsized in the Mediterranean off Egypt's north coast. And President Robert Mugabe says ongoing sanctions against Zimbabwe could threaten sustainable development in the country. Those are the stories making headlines. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Africa, wake up. Africa, Africa, reveille Africa, Africa, wema. Sun rises. Le soleil élevé. Weya wema. What's in the happen, Africa? Africa, Dumelang Sanbonani. Africa, Mulishadi, Pulibaj. Africa, Ayomi, Kilon Shele. Africa, Ndinkim, Kinkunume. What's in the happen, Africa? It doesn't matter where you come from Lesotho, Kenya, Zambia, Ghana, Nigeria, Tanzania, Congo, Liberia, Togo, Ethiopia, DRC, South Africa, Swaziland, Morocco, Botswana, Gabon, Zimbabwe, Mauritania, Senegal, Sierra Leone, Liberia. It doesn't matter where you're from, we are one people. Channel Africa. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. This is DJ Cleo with G Exploits from Nigeria. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. South Africa's education department is concerned about the high number of learners dropping out of school. It says statistics for dropouts is 14 times higher than the world average. It's one of the reasons that the department plans to introduce a new curriculum aimed at focusing on technical skills. The ministry heads are currently in Zimbabwe to exchange ideas on new curriculum development. Shanganyoka has more. Both Zimbabwe and South Africa are in the process of overhauling their school curricula. The two countries are for the first time swapping notes on how to adapt their education systems to produce citizens with greater critical thinking and problem-solving skills. Basic Education Minister Angie Moshecha. On we are dealing with common problems and we identified those areas where we feel we should exchange notes. One was curriculum reform. This is what we've done. The second one was around the professionalization of the sector. The other one was also the content, because we wanted to really even exchange notes in terms of what is it that you are teaching your kids about history of Africa. What we had realized in our interactions, not only with the 
Minister of Zimbabwe, but with the ministers of, of SADC. That sometimes we're working on the same topic, on the same issues, but we were not talking to each other. South Africa says 80% of its learners have been channeled to the academic programs, but that white-collar jobs are no longer available to cater for everyone. It's finalizing a curriculum for technical occupations that will see 500 technical schools created around the country over the next 15 years, explains the Basic Education Director General Hubert Mweli. A desirable split would be about 40% going the academic route and then the rest 60% going through the, the, the vocational education. We've started this year to implement, uh, to strengthen our, uh, what we call technical vocational stream. The push comes against an alarming rate of learners quitting school before matric. The department says one of the reasons is that those learners cannot cope with the academic curriculum, where the world's average rate is 1%, and in Africa the dropout rate is 5%. In South Africa, it's 14%. Zimbabwe is itself grappling with similar challenges. It claims a literacy rate of 92%, but very little formal employment opportunities. The primary and secondary education minister, Lazarus Lokora. And the population is highly educated on the whole. We have realized the need for a more enhanced trajectory that guarantees an education that truly equips learners with life-sustaining skills. South Africa's six-member delegation is expected to tour several schools in Harare in its two-day visit. I'm Shingai Nyoka in Harare. South Africa's Arts and Culture Minister Natim Tetwa has described late musician Mendoza as a giant and social unifier. He was speaking at the memorial service of a Guaido music legend at the Ellis Park Arena in Johannesburg. The award-winning artist, whose real name is Mduduzi Shabalala, died on Sunday from cancer. He was 38 years old. Mtetua says Mendoza's music touched everyone both locally and internationally. Nomabolani reports. Have you ever wondered how one of South Africa's biggest hits post-1994 was made? Music producer Gabby LaRue finally shared the story of how he and Guaido legend Mendoza created the mega chart topper. And we were busy playing around in my house and, and I had this sound that I was working on on the keyboard and I was just playing around with this sound. He was sitting outside scribbling some lyrics, you know, and I was doing down, da 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 down, da 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 down, da 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 down, da 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 da, and he came running in, and he came and he said, "Bragaps, that's it, you're on it. This is big, Bragaps. This is going to be an like, What? Okay, you know, but." I didn't realize, and, and judging from his expression, I just realized that there was something happening here. LaRue says Ngalagata, which went on to win the Summer Song of the Year in 2001, was made through divine intervention. The memorial service turned out to be a concert, not only celebrating the life of a man now recognized as a legend, but also celebrating quite the music. <laughs> Because I 
Fellow musician Dukulo Shabalala of TKZ fame shared his memories of Mendoza. You can name them. And I actually love this talent. You know, I love this talent. You know, uh, he had a good way of, he had so much humor. And, uh, you know, whenever you're with him in, on, in the studio, you have so much fun. The ideas that we shared, you know. And now there's this Kwaito thing. That Kwaito's dead. The Kwaito feel of a foot. This is a genre that can't die. Gabby LaRue also took time to acknowledge the support wife and Paul played in Mendoza's successful career. My little sister, Paul, I think we just need to, right now, before we do anything, give her a huge, huge hand. Sister Paul, Chabalala. You know, I made the mistake once of saying she was behind him all the step of the way, but in many instances she was ahead of him, pulling him along and standing with him shoulder to shoulder and being there for all of us. Superfan Nozipo Mkwanazi says she took leave from work to attend the memorial. She's been following Mendoza's career since she was a teenager. I've been collecting these posters wherever Mendoza would appear, magazines, newspapers. Uh, since I was 14, I'm now 27, uh, so I've been keeping them and I just brought them here as my way to celebrate his life. My mother told me I was at work. I was very, very shocked to hear. I just, Namanja, I can't believe it. I'm feeling very sad. Just like everyone else, I'm really, really sad about his passing. I loved him. Arts and Culture Minister Natim Teto said Mendoza was colossal, contributing immensely to South Africa's music industry and leaving an indelible mark on the people of this country. Mteto echoed the words of Mendoza's uncle Ngisi Shabalala that the Kwaito star's music always had positive and uplifting messages. And this illustrated that his career transcended music business and touched the lives of millions of South Africa and beyond our country. Mendoza contributed enormously in the project of nation building through songs like Respect Life, where he detailed his experiences, the mistakes he made, and encouraged his audiences to reach for their dreams, give back to their communities once successful, and to stay away from drugs, all of them, including Nyaupe. Mendoza's funeral will be held at the Grace Bible Church in Soweto on Friday. He'll be laid to rest at Heroes Acre at the West Park Cemetery. I'm Noma Polani in Johannesburg.
That reports by Noma Bolani. South Africa's Parliament's Portfolio Committee on Telecommunications and Postal Services has taken on cell phone operator Vodacom for what it says are excessive rates for data. On Tuesday, both ICASA and the Department of Telecommunications and Postal Services told the Portfolio Committee on Telecommunications that Vodacom was the most expensive mobile network for airtime and data bundles in the country. While the company denied the claims, MPs insisted that the claims are true. Abongwe Kobokana compiled this report. Since promotions and bundle offers have been omitted, mainly as a result of the lack of data with ICASA, We agree with ICASA that promotions and bundles have a significant impact on what customers effectively pay, and if these are included, Vodacom is likely to compare favorably with other operators. And when we complete the ICASA report, Vodacom actually compares favorably. Henny Jacobs of Vodacom responding to allegations regarding the cost of its services. Committee Chairperson Mamuloko Kubai challenged both the Department of Telecommunications and Telecommunications Regulator ICASA to support their submissions that Vodacom charged too much for data. Willie Vugela from the department. You presented stats to us. The, the stats was presented by DTPS. I asked the source from DTPS. DTPS said the source is ICASA. Both the teams acknowledged so I'm saying there's information that is contrary that is being presented to us. I need you to respond to it before we can go to questions. So from our side, we use the CASA as a legal authority that draws data to operators. So I think CASA is here, but we still believe the person that this uh, accurate article from CASA. Thank you so much. But this explanation was not enough for some MPs. Fana Mukwena of the EFF said he had personally knowledge of Vodacom's high costs. What, what Vodacom and perhaps other um, um, mobile operators are not taking into account is that people are complaining, and not just about tariffs. They're complaining that they're being given um, data that... that, that that gets finished quicker. And this is a fact. This is what we're, we're seeing on the ground. I'm, I'm a user myself, and I'm seeing it myself. I'm speaking from personal experience. Lewang Mpahlela from ICASA was also called on to clarify the contradicting account. ICASA confirms that the, um, the slide is based on the information that um, was filed with ICASA in terms of the, um, the standard terms and conditions regulations. Um, however, um, as um, indicated uh, yesterday, um, these um, uh, tariffs are based on um, headline tariffs or published tariffs, which do not take into consideration promotions and, and promotional bundles offered by operators. That report by Abongwe Kobokana. It's 8.46 and our economics update up next with Tabiso Lohuku. Thanks, Balungile. 
Ghana, Kenya, Nigeria and South Africa are set to announce interest rate decisions this week in an environment marked by accelerating price growth and an economic slump in some countries and attempts by politicians to prescribe a policy in others. Analysts say while Nigeria's central bank will probably take more aggressive action, South Africa, Kenya and Ghana are set to keep rates on hold. The contrasting approaches underscore the difficult policy choice facing African central banks. Meanwhile, interest rate cuts alone will not help pull Nigeria out of a recession amidst rising inflation. On Tuesday, the central bank kept its benchmark interest rates at 14%. Nigeria's central bank's monetary policy director, Moses Tule, says the policymakers will need to act together on fiscal, monetary and trade policies to jumpstart growth. For the first time this year, inflation is now within the South African Reserve Bank's target band of 3 and 6%. It is now at 5.9%. Releasing the Consumer Price Index data on Wednesday, Stats SA indicated that prices of certain food items, including non-alcoholic beverages, which have been rising at a slower pace. Murafet Dabane reports. Inflation has remained high over the past number of months due to rising cost of goods and services, prompting the Reserve Bank to hike rates in certain instances. This has seen consumers struggle to cope as inflation erodes their buying power. Although today's figures show that the CPI is within the central bank's target band, it is still expected to average around 6.2% by the end of the year. The International Monetary Fund expects Namibia's economic growth to slow to 2.5% this year after expanding by 5.3% in 2015. The IMF says that the Southern African nation's growth is expected to pick up to above 5% in 2017. Zambia Information and Telecommunication uh, Authority has warned that users of the Samsung Galaxy Note 7 cell phone return them to any Samsung electronic service provider outlet in the country. The regulator says in order to ensure safety of the consumer, Zikta is urging all consumers with the Samsung Galaxy Note 7 to visit the authorized Samsung electronic service partner outlets in Zambia. Sikhe Zuma reports. In a press statement released and made available to Zambian Eye by Zekta, the regulatory board says that despite the product not yet being launched in Zambia, some users have bought it from other markets. Zekta is notifying the general public that Samsung Galaxy Note 7 has a factory defect as the affected device can overheat and pose a safety risk. Samsung Electronic Corporation has announced a recall of Samsung Galaxy Note 7 smartphones in countries where the device has been launched. The U.S. dollar trades at 13.77 to the South African rand, 10.40 in Botswana, 9.91 in Zambia, 7.6 British pound, 8.9 euro. Gold $1,332, platinum $1,052 an ounce, brand crude $46.46 a barrel. It's Channel Africa. We are the voice of the African Renaissance, and this is Africa rise and shine
Thank you, Tabiso. Our sports update up next with Figile Lengwati. In our sports update this hour, starting off with the cricket news, Biz Hub Highford Lions and South Africa's A all-rounder Dwayne Pretoria says he's looking forward to seeing his dream of making his Proteas ODI debut come true should he get the nod against Ireland on Sunday. South Africa will play a once-off ODI against the Irish in preparation for the five-match upcoming ODI series against Australia starting on the 30th of September. Pretoria says he's ready to go. Obviously, I hope I make the side. I mean, that's the first priority. And then, obviously, enjoying the moment, training with the guys. I mean, it's a dream come true. I've really, obviously, dreamt about this moment for a long time in my life. So it's, it's happened now, and I'm really, really fortunate and blessed to be in that position. And hopefully, I can make the most of it. Pretorias, who will, be, who will be welcomed by a number of current and former teammates in the Proteus setup, says he believes that that will play in his favor as he aims to find his quick fit in the side. Definitely, it's a great opportunity. And what's nice about that whole situation is I'm going in the squad now. And luckily, I know a few guys. If you go into a squad and you know no one and it's just you, it's, I think it's a bit daunting. But I, I know Mori is going to be there. I know Tembe is going to be there. KJ, I've played with him. Mackie, the batting coach. What's nice about it is there will be some familiar faces. And what's nice about it as well, when I was at SAA now, I roomed with David Miller. Learned a lot from him. I mean, I was a month his roommate. So we chatted a lot about the game. He's going to be there. So I'm really looking forward to it. And there's at least there's some familiar faces for me to chat to and see what the whole vibe is about but from what i heard i mean south africa's vibe and the atmosphere there is also amazing so i'm really looking forward to it so i think it's going to be awesome in local football super sports united coach Stuart baxter says he was thrilled with the way his boys played last night in the APSA premiership game against marisbeck united super sports united claimed their first win of the season with a one nil win over the team of choice at Herigwala Stadium in South Africa's Gosuru Natal province. United goal was scored by Bafana Bafana International Tuso Pala two minutes before halftime. Baxter applauds first performance shown by his team. And United will play their next game against Free State Stars in Kings Origini Stadium, still in Gosuru Natal province, this coming weekend. Baxter says last night's performance was against Marisbeck will set the tone for the season. Meanwhile, South African Premiership side Kaiser Chiefs has claimed their points to, to yesterday night when they won 1-0 against the newcomers Highlands Park at Makulong Stadium east of Johannesburg with George Lebis scoring the only goal of the game from the penalty spot. The fourth penalty Highlands Park conceded in just two matches before goalkeeper Itumelen Kune pulled off a stunning save and added time to secure all three points. And finally, with motor racing, Britain's Lewis Hamilton insists that he could overhaul his Mercedes-Benz teammate Nico Rosberg in the Formula One World Championship for the second time this year after relinquishing his hard-won lead in the standings in Singapore. Hamilton fought back from 43 points behind the established a 19-point lead only for Rosberg to clinch his third straight win on Sunday to go eight points clear. With six races of season still to go, Hamilton who will be gunning for his third straight world title and fourth overall, said with a good weekend in each of the last six races, he could again recover the deficit. That's a sport news this hour.
Africa rise and shine Africa zola Africa amka na unai Recapping our top stories in Africa rise and shine at the Sawa more than 1 million people flee South Sudan and calm slowly returning to the DRC's capital Kinshasa after clashes between police and protesters that wraps up Africa rise and shine today for myself Lulu Gabu producers Pumutu Ramagadza and Tutongobeni technical producer Mario Edwards and the rest of the team thank you for joining us for comments about our show send us an email at info@channelafrica.co.za or tweet us at rashan africa or send an sms on 27769597930 are taking us to the top of the hour for the news on the frequency not 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to southern africa is brenda fasi with a song titled zolabat <laughs> <laughs>